Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. So, we are today in one chapter. Believe it or not, this is a kind of a first, I guess. Um, and it is chapter 12, the chapter, um, the Passover. It's got a, quite a few verses, so we're going to be covering that. But first, let's go ahead and look at a couple of dad jokes. This is a good one. Why do dogs float in water? Because they're good boys. Good boy. I guess you could say good boys, but it's good boys if you pronounce it right. What happens when it rains cats and dogs? You have to be careful not to step in the poodle. <laughs> okay, that's a good one. Let's keep moving on. Let's pray and ask God to bless our day. Father, thank you for guiding us this morning, bringing us into your presence. Ask that you would give us insight to this very all-important chapter and help us see these things in as they should be seen and understood, Father. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Chapter 12 of the book of Exodus. Now, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month of the year for you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, on the 10th of this month, they are each one to take a lamb for themselves according to their father's household, a lamb for each household. Now, if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his neighbor nearest to his house are to take one according to the number of persons in them, according to what each man should eat. You are to divide the lamb. Your lamb shall be an unblemished male a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lentil of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that same night roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled at all with water, but rather roasted with fire, both its head and its legs with its entrails. And you shall not leave any of it over until morning, but whatever is left of it until morning, you shall burn it with fire. And you shall eat it in this manner, with your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night, and will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Verse 14. Now, this day will be a memorial to you, and you shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You are to celebrate it as a permanent ordinance 
seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, but on that first you shall remove leaven from your house. For whoever eats anything leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall have a holy assembly and another holy assembly on the seventh day. No work at all shall be done on them except what must be eaten by every person. That alone may be prepared by you. You shall also observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on this very day I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a permanent ordinance. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at evening, you shall eat the unleavened bread until the twenty-fifth day of the month at evening. Seven days there shall be no leaven found in your houses. For whoever eats what is leavened, that person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whether he shall be an alien or a native of the land, you shall not eat anything leavened. In all your dwellings you shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called for the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and take for yourselves lambs according to your families and slay the Passover lamb. You should take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood which is in the basin and apply some of the blood that is in the basin to the lintel and the two doorposts. And none of you shall go outside the door of his house until morning. Verse 23. The Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the doorpost, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. And you shall observe this event as an ordinance for you and your children forever. When you enter the land which the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall observe this right. And when your children say to you, what does this right mean to you? You shall say, it is a Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the house of the sons of Israel when he smote the Egyptians, but spared their homes. And the people bowed and worshiped. Then the sons of Israel went and did so, did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. Now it came about. At midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive, who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of cattle. Pharaoh arose in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, and there was no home where there was not someone dead. Then he called for Moses and Aaron at night and said, Rise up. Get out from among my people, both you and your, and the sons of Israel, and go worship the Lord, as you have said. Take both your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and go. And bless me also. Verse 33. The Egyptians urged the people to send them out of the land in haste, and they said, We will all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened with their kneading bowls, bound up in their cloths on their shoulders, now the sons of Israel had done according to the word of the Lord. They had requested from the Egyptians articles of silver and articles of gold, gold and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they let them have their request. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Now the sons of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth, about 600 
thousand men on foot, aside from the children. The mixed multitude also went up with them according to the flocks and herds, a very large number of livestock. They baked the dough which they had brought out of Egypt into cakes, for it had not become leavened since they were driven out of Egypt and could not delay, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. Now the time that the sons of Israel were in Egypt were 430 years. And at the end of 430 years, to the very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. Verse 42. It is a night to be observed for the Lord, for having brought them out of the land of Egypt this night is for the Lord to be observed by all the sons of Israel throughout their generations. The Lord said to Moses and to Aaron, this is the ordinance of the passer over no foreigner is to eat of it but every man's slave purchased with money after you have circumcised him then he may eat of it a sojourner or a hired servant shall not eat of it it is to be eaten in a single house you are not to bring forth any of the flesh outside the house nor are you to break any bone of it all the congregation of israel are to celebrate this but if a stranger sojourns with you and celebrates the Passover of the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, and then let him come near to celebrate it, and he shall be like a native of the land. But no circumcised person may eat of it. The same law shall apply to the native as to the stranger who sojourns among you. Then all the sons of Israel did so, and they did just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that same day, the Lord brought the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. So we have 2 million, some people believe up to 3 million people all of a sudden getting up and leaving. No time to pack. God had told them to be ready and they have their dough, but there's no time. The Egyptians were so grief struck and they said, get them out, get them out now. And so they they back up and they start just walking out. It's quite a phenomenal uh, thing to think about, that many people pouring out of the houses all over the city with their their treasures. And it's, you know, it's interesting to watch the movies because they come out with, of course, wagons and different things. And, and that's probably true. They plundered the Egyptians. They probably gave them wagons and gave them things to, to carry things on. And it um, it's, was quite an amazing, amazing thing that happened to have a whole nation of people just get up and leave. But here's the deal. How did it all happen? It all happened by the blood of the Lamb. It all happened by the death angel passing over them, which finally brought people to the realization of the power of the God of Israel. Finally humbled them. And this is the sad thing. This is what it will inevitably get all of the hardest of hearts to be broken and bowed before the God of this universe and the King of Kings is when they experience death. Now here, God gives them the, the chance. It's the death of the firstborn. And again, we mentioned this yesterday, that the, the pharaohs were looked or beginning to be looked at as deities. And they were because they were of the sons of Ra and they were, you know, had 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 a sense of a 
kind of a mix, kind of the whole Nephilim thing. They kind of were looking at them as being hybrids, that they had divine blood in them and this and that. So the sons of Pharaoh were also divine. They were powerful, and they could not imagine that another god would have enough power to take their life. And so this was a huge, huge blow to their belief of their their gods, especially the gods of of the heavens, uh, the creator god that would come down and create and, and then have this kind of union with the pharaoh. So he experiences the death of his firstborn and and those that had the blood of the lamb applied over the houses, the death angel spared. And this, interestingly enough, God just didn't say like the other plagues, all the other plagues, God supernaturally protected the Egyptians. They had light when they didn't have light. They were protected from the hail when they when everybody else was being pelted with hail. They were protected supernaturally, all of them. But the last one, the one concerning death, the one that you would, you know, the assurance of death, you would think that would be the one, the one that God would protect again, all of Israel. But no, he was going to protect only those who would believe by faith that the blood applied over the doorpost would save them. They had to take the Passover lamb, kill it, and realize that the sacrifice of the lamb, sacrifice of the innocent animal, the shedding of its blood, and the application of the blood, then that would be what would save them. So any home that did not do that, then they would lose their firstborn. And I don't know, I was naive when I was young. I used to think the firstborn was, it was only the firstborn babies that were alive at that time. I used to think, well, whatever babies around in the firstborn would die. It was any firstborn of any family. It doesn't matter if they were 50, 60 years old. If they were the firstborn, they would die. So there was a huge death, but the ones that applied the blood didn't. And of course, they were instructed, this whole chapter is about keeping this Passover, keep this Passover, do it exactly the way I tell you to do it. No bonus to be broken. Make sure you stay in your homes because these, this is to be celebrated the, in the home. The blood is to be applied uh, you know, there physically, but then in the dinner it was about celebrating what happened with the blood over the doorpost, thanking God that he passed over those homes. But the issue was Jesus took that Passover meal with his disciples right before he went to the cross. Obviously, the most obvious thing we can see is say, this is my blood. The blood that they applied over the doorposts of their homes so the death angel would pass over them is my blood now. And so we know that we are to take that same blood and apply it over the doorposts of our heart. We are to take the blood and realize that he is the sacrificial lamb. He is our Passover. And so we take the blood, we apply it metaphorically, spiritually. We say, Lord, I, I now consider myself covered by your blood. And with that, the death angel passes over. The death angel, which is the death angel, which will then bring you into hell, will pass over the second death. That is, the, that is what is passed over, and we have this life eternal. So it's, it's really an annoying to me, honestly, to hear pastors of big churches, and you guys know who I'm talking about, stand up there and say, oh, I don't like to talk about the blood and 
death and sin and these kinds of things. Um, the, it's all about the blood, and it's all about Jesus' sacrifice. And people get kind of wacky in their theology. The Hillsong music, musician that just left the faith recently because, you know, I don't think I don't see a guy would be abusive to his son, and, you know, it doesn't make, it's not fair that there's only one way. And then you go, wait a minute, you haven't stopped and thought about what happened at the Passover originally and what happened at the Last Supper and why that he would willingly do it for you and offer his blood. That is loving someone that is that well that like the Bible says no greater love that he would lay down his life for us. So we take that and we are humbled by it and we thank him for it. And it amazes him that he would give us such clear, clear understanding for generation to generation. I've been to a couple of Seder dinners, um, one pretty formal one with a Jewish family. And you go sit through the whole thing. They explain it to you and they explain how no bo you know, bone is to be broken. And you eat the bitter herbs and the tears of all the suffering for all those hundreds of years. And you have that seat for Elijah. And they're waiting for Elijah to come. They always leave the door open and those kind of things. You eat it in the house. You eat it all together. And it's a wonderful experience, but it's empty. It's completely empty because they completely miss the reasons. They try and explain to you the bread and the stripes on the bread and the holes. And you're going, hello, stripes. He was he was pierced through it for our size and he was, he was whipped and he was, you know, with... 40 stripes and you count it's just the the passover meal if you look at it closely the seder dinner is a perfect description of the crucifixion and the payment jesus made on the cross it's amazing and so we love our jewish brothers and sisters and, and but they're still today missing what jesus said it was all about and we don't want to can we don't want to do that. We want to understand why it was given. That's why that's why communion is important, and that's why we celebrate it because that is our Passover. Well, let's continue with Charles Spurgeon today. Joyful security, I will uphold thee with thy right hand of my righteousness. Isaiah forty one ten. Fear of falling is wholesome. To be virtuesome is no sign of wisdom. Times come to us when we feel that we must go down unless we have a very special support. Here we have it. God's right hand is a grand thing to lean upon. Mind, it is not only his hand, though it keepeth heaven and earth in their places, but his right hand, his hand united with skill, his power where it is most dexterous. Nay, this is not all. It is written, I will uphold thee with thy right hand of thy righteousness. That hand which he uses to maintain his holiness and to execute his royal sentences. This shall be stretched out to hold up his trusting ones. Fearful is our danger, but joyful is our security. The man whom God upholds, devils cannot throw down. Weak may be our feet, but uh, almighty is God's right hand. Rough may be the road, but omnipotence is our upholding. We may boldly go forward, 
we shall not fall. Let us lean continually where all things lean. God will not withdraw his strength, for his righteousness is there as well. He will be faithful to his promises and faithful to his son and therefore faithful to us. How happy we ought to be. Are we not so? <laughs> That's the question. Are we not so are we not happy that he upholds all things, that he upholds us, and he makes the sun to rain down, rain down upon us, the righteous and the unrighteous, but in that when those times of, of testing come and difficulties, we know they were held by him. His right hand knows how to control, he knows how to cover, knows how to protect, and then we acknowledge the fact that we're covered by the blood, and that the second death has no effect on us, then we are to walk upright. We're walked up to walk with a confidence. And this is how we are to be as believers. Well, Father, thank you for this morning. And as always, bringing us into that, right into the center of understanding of who you are. The God of our salvation the all-caring, the all-loving God, the protector God who has brought to us a sense of purpose and meaning and understanding and peace in our life, which is beyond understanding. So we, we are humbled by that and we thank you for it. We thank you for the things that you're doing in our life. And we pray, God, that you continue to reveal these things so we can image you to the rest of the world. We can show the rest of the world, what it is to be ready for your coming, that we can be prepared and understand this whole issue of, of the being unleavened, of being in your presence and not allowing sin into the home, not allowing those things to come in and, and pollute us. God, just continue to refine us and keep the leaven out, God so that we are not falling into the temptations of the world and the things that would try and pollute us. So thank you, God, for your all-powerful hand and for your healing hand. We do ask that you would continue to heal those that are in need right now, a special need of certain healing people that, are, that need to go into surgery. We're still praying for Pastor Joe that things are work, working out for him, that he may not have... Um, these cancerous lesions. We're hoping that it's benign. Um, we're just trusting you, God, for that. And the other people, God, that have recently been diagnosed with some form or another of cancer or another disease. We have, Father, a, a big community and, and things are happening all the time. So, Father, may you heal those situations where people are um, feeling like their body's under attack. Heal Renee is she, her body's hurting. Father, we pray you bring a relief to the pain, so that she can, so her muscles can relax, and completely bring her body into healing. God, we pray for Celeste as she is going through still the treatments, yeah. but being very positive. Thank you for her faith and her strength. We thank you for Karen Skoog and her battle God and how she's holding up in her strength God continue to build her up and 
make her God a warrior in the in the spiritual realm. And we pray in all of these people, uh, Hank or any other people that are having to go through treatments, that they would have right now would just be that wonderful time where they're seeing results and they're seeing um, no pain or they're not experiencing any difficulties and perhaps even that there's remission. So we pray for that, Father. We pray for those that have gone through surgery that are still dealing with recuperation or physical therapy. Um, all those people have gone through it. Tanya's gone through it. There's so many people that have, have gone through knee surgery or hip replacement and these, these kinds of things. God, we pray that the, you would help them in the rehabilitation of their bodies and so that they might have freedom of movement and their life would return to normalcy so they're not always dealing with pain. So God, please, we ask that you would, within our group and our family here, uh, people that are daily coming before you, that you would touch their bodies. And through them, God, let that be the seed that is used or the impetus of some some kind to bring others to know you, people in their family, people that can't imagine why they would follow you and not resort to some type of shamanistic healing ritual arts of something. And God, that they could see you come through and be n not only a God of healing, but a, but a constant loving God, that they would understand that through the midst of the storm, their eyes are focused on you. And no matter whether you decide to heal them or not, like with Paul, they can say your grace is sufficient. So thank you for that. Thank you for them. And God, we look forward to the things that you're going to continue to do in our lives this next week. So we bless you, Father, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we'll see you tomorrow, and I really plan on the radio working, and it maybe might be on the next couple hours since I'm just waiting for them to send me the password to get back on. So we'll see how that goes. <coughs> Check it out. And then we hope to also get the podcast out today, too. So hopefully you guys can check that out as well. God bless you. We will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.